0: crop farmers listen up in this week's episode of farmers inside track 10 crops to plant in autumn turns out september is not the only month associated with growth march is also a main planting month
1: and a bit later in the show, we discuss solar powered irrigation systems, which is proving to be more affordable for farmers. To tell us more about that, we're joined by Samir Ibrahim, the co founder of Sunculture in Kenya.
0: And we're proud to announce Soil Sisters, a brand new campaign celebrating female farmers across South Africa. Powered by Corteva AgriScience. We will highlight some of the extraordinary women who are participating in the Corteva Women Agripreneur Program 2021, a year long blended development program at the Gordon Institute of Business Science Entrepreneurship Development Academy. First up, we have Musa Gamede.
1: Meanwhile, everyone is buzzing about the Agricultural Fund for Black Farmers. Minister Toko Didiza explains how this billion-rand blended finance program will benefit the agricultural sector.
0: Our Book of the Week, In a World Without Email, by Cal Newport. The author unpacks the impact of rapid task switching and constant communication on both our productivity and mental health
1: also in today's show we take a closer look at the livestock wealth app while our farmer tip of the week hails all the way from the free state province we check in with sabata sechoba a livestock and crop farmer who has some great advice for startup livestock farmers this is farmers inside track supported by food from zanzi inspiration for your business
0: and life From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 67 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and it's great to be back.
1: And I'm Duncan Masua, and thank you for listening to South Africa's most downloaded farmers podcast. Listen Dawn, let's get straight into it because today is another jam-packed episode.
0: First up... 10 crops to plant in autumn. Food for Mzanzi journalist Donna van Eden did some research on the hottest crops you need to plant this season.
2: Autumn is shockingly already upon us, Mzanzi. And as we near winter, it's time to look at which crops should be planted in autumn so that they can grow during the colder winter months. Here are the following plants that are good to plant during April in South Africa. First on our autumn crop list, we have broccoli. April is considered the last month to plant broccoli, so you better get moving. And to make sure the broccoli plants receive full sun during the winter and are watered regularly so that they do not wilt. Second on the list are cabbages. Cabbage plants need full sun, fertile soil that drains well, and enough space to grow so that the cabbage heads do not get crowded when they are fully grown. Another brassica on the list is cauliflower. Cauliflower does not like sudden changes in temperature. It also doesn't like extreme hot or cold temperatures either, so early autumn is the best for planting cauliflower. Coming up at number 4 we have kale. Kale is less troubled by pests than the other brassicas just mentioned, is more disease resistant, and tolerates cold. So it's a perfect autumn crop, and it's also super healthy. So make sure you include it in your winter meals after harvesting. Moving on to our root crops. Carrots also sport some winter varieties to plant in April. The specific requirements of carrots is deep, loose soil that drains well. At number 6 on our list we have my personal favorite, beetroot. The most common garden beetroot is a deep ruby red. However, there's a surprising range available of different types. There's the chogia, albino, cylindra, golden globe, and the always reliable Detroit dark red. So you can have some fun with planting beetroot this autumn. Seventh on our list of autumn crops is radish. Radishes are easy crops to plant in autumn, as you can sow them directly outside to start growing in well-drained soil. So there's no need for seedling trays. And now we get to our leafy greens, starting with lettuce. Lettuce does not do well in the summer and really prefers the cold, so you don't have to rush with this one. For late autumn and winter sowing, you can plant lettuce in full sun. The same goes for lettuce as with the cabbages, making sure they are spaced out enough so that the heads do not touch or grow near each other when they are fully grown. And our ninth autumn crop is spinach. Spinach can be sown in containers during super cold winter or sown directly into the ground if it's not too cold in your specific area. Last on the list, but not least, we have Swiss chard, a beautiful and healthy addition to your garden. Swiss chard is also an easy leafy green vegetable to grow during autumn, as it grows in most places and soils, and is also relatively unbothered by common crop pests. And there you have it. 10 plants that you can plant in the coming month to keep you busy and healthy during the winter.
1: Thanks Donna, definitely a few crops that I can grow in my backyard and I love that the list is quite handy for home gardeners too. But while the rest of us get our green fingers ready, next up we explore solar powered irrigation systems. In a TED talk, Samir Ibrahim of SunCulture explained how their innovation is changing prospects for farmers across Kenya.
3: I'm going to share with you my approach on agriculture with the hopes of making each and every one of you reconceptualize your views on the challenges and opportunities that the sector presents. Farming is important, and by the end of this talk, I want to leave you with the understanding that if we change the way we approach farmers, we have the potential to transform the agriculture ecosystem for the better. My friend and co-founder Charlie Nichols and I met Peter in 2012 at his farm in Gecha, which is in central Kenya, about an hour and a half away from here. Peter lives with his mom, his wife, and his three kids. And when we met Peter, he was making $600 per year, or 54,000 shillings per year. It's not a lot of money to feed six mouths, let alone send his kids to school. And there are a lot of people like Peter. In fact, there are 1.4 billion people like Peter in the world. These are the world's poorest, and they live in rural areas and rely on agriculture and related activities for their livelihood. This is a really important group of people to think about in terms of addressing the world's largest problems. They're the hungriest, the poorest, most nutrient deficient group of people in the entire world. But ironically, by their very livelihood, they produce the very tool for their escape from poverty, food, if only they were supported in the ways they really needed. And I'm talking about this group of people today because I want you to look at farmers as customers not as beneficiaries of aid. I'm gonna say that again. I want you to look at farmers as customers, not as beneficiaries of aid. Doing this will achieve two very important things. First, this mindset will force us to design products and services that farmers want and need, not create useless products developed in isolation of the communities they hope to serve, but embraced by the development community. Second, This will enable us to create business models that make sense and which embody the principles of revolutionizing agriculture to promote a transition from subsistence farming to commercial farming. You see, we live in a world where useless products are designed and given away for free to people who don't want them. And it's because the funding that is paying for the products is not coming from the people who are using the products. And we need this to change if we ever hope to achieve poverty eradication talk to you about what we do at SunCulture as just one example of the many ways that you can use technological innovation to create cost-effective and relevant products that combat some of the problems farmers face. So back to Peter. When we met Peter, Charlie and I were really frustrated. Peter was making $600 per year because he relied on rain-fed agriculture to grow maize and potatoes. He didn't have an irrigation system. And irrigation systems are so important not only would an irrigation system increase Peter's yields by two to five X, but having an irrigation system would allow Peter to grow high value fresh fruits and vegetables, which he could sell for a lot more money. So we took a step back and we looked at Kenya. Kenya has 5.4 million hectares of arable land. 83% of this land is unsuitable for rain fed agriculture, thus requiring irrigation systems. But only 4% of Kenyan land is under irrigation. So not only does Peter not have an irrigation system, but most farmers in Kenya don't have irrigation systems. So then we took another step back, and we looked at Sub-Saharan Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa has 25% of the world's arable land, yet it only produces 10% of global output, has 60% of the world's uncultivated land, and has the lowest yield of any global region. Can you guess why? One reason, is because less than 6% of the farmland in Sub-Saharan Africa is under irrigation compared to 33% in Asia and 20% in the rest of the world. And with this little bit of land that's under irrigation, very cost inefficient and labor intensive technologies are used like fuel pumps or electric pumps. With high fuel prices and the average cost of electricity being three times what it is in South Asia and two times what it is in the United States, there needs to exist a more cost-effective way for farmers to irrigate in Africa. Our solution is the Agro Solar Irrigation Kit. It combines the cost-effectiveness of solar-powered water pumping with the efficiency of drip irrigation. It pumps water to an elevated tank using the power of the sun, and then uses gravity to release water through drip irrigation, delivering water directly to crop roots, resulting in yield increases of up to 300%, and water savings of up to 80%. And Charlie, Designed the system specifically for irrigation, removing most of the bells and whistles that large scale solar home systems or solar water heating systems have, designing for the first time an affordable irrigation system that removes the most recurring costs for farmers. Our goal is to help farmers grow more while spending less. Peter is using the agro solar irrigation kit and he's making $18,000 per year, or 1.6 million Kenyan shillings, and we're really proud of that. The point I want to drive home is that we need to develop products for people like Peter. For our first seven months in Kenya, Charlie and I ran field trials. Every day, we'd go out to one of our two pilot sites, sit, and watch how farmers would interact with our system. We studied what interactions they wanted to have, what the high touch points were, what the possible points of failure were, and we continued to iterate. We had to make sure that not only would this technology be amazing, but it had to be amazing for smallholder farmers. This has been our philosophy throughout our journey, and it's the principle on which Sunculture's mission was founded. Doing this allowed us to create a product that we could sell to farmers, keeping in mind their feedback and their needs as paying customers. When designing and building products for the poor, it's really easy to forget that technology is just one piece of the solution that people need systems and structures in place in order for them to get maximal value from the products that they're using. And so many tech companies just throw tech at people and they leave it at that. If you go and visit rural farmers, you'll notice that their homes have turned into moratoriums for unserviced, broken, and irrelevant products. These farmers will never go back to those companies for anything. And that's how we started to realize that the agriculture value chain was extremely disconnected.
0: Thanks for joining us, Samir Ibrahim, the co founder of Sun Culture. Now for the much anticipated Blended Farmers Program. This joint venture by two government departments was recently announced by Toko Didiza. She believes that the new Agri Industrial Fund could be a game changer for farmers. The minister says the fund is geared towards transforming the agricultural sector in line with the National Development Plan
4: in partnership with the IDC, has been working solidly over the past few months, from September 2020 to be more specific, towards the establishment of the Agri-Industrial Fund. The fund will be based on an initial allocation of one billion grant to the IDC from the Department of Agricultural Land Reform Rural Development over the five-year period, to develop and implement high-impact, large-scale commercial agricultural transaction projects with black ownership, which is 60% and above, including broad-based community trusts. The fund's objective is to support the development and expansion of the agricultural sector by assisting qualifying black producers, investees in developing or expanding, acquiring and integrating operations in prioritized value chains. The National Development Plan acknowledges that transforming the economy also means changing ownership and control patterns. To date, efforts to transfer productive assets ownership have not yielded the desired results, with employees' share equity schemes playing a less significant role. A bolder approach in our view and more precise targets are required. Partnerships like the fund we are launching today takes us in the right direction towards emancipating black producers and transforming the agricultural and agribusiness sectors. This partnership will continue for 10 years before it is reviewed. It doesn't mean that we'll only wait until the end of 10 years. So we will be reviewing all the projects that we've approved to see whether they are actually still in line with the objectives that it has been created for.
0: At the heart of the fund, is economic development and emancipation, effective land reform, and giving black agriculture role players a solid footing to shine on a global stage. The
4: Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries identified the lack of agricultural finance as a hindrance to the commercialization of black producers. While there were many products in the market, it was clear that the funding cost was too high to enable new entrants to access funding and succeed in their farming operations along the value chain. We aim to achieve the following goals through this fund. Expansion of agricultural production, accelerate land redistribution and wealth creation by commercializing projects on such land. We aim to create jobs and also transform our sector, increasing exports as well as effective land reform and rural development underutilized land. I must say, colleagues, that this fund has actually come at the right time. We will be soon finalizing the agriculture agro-processing master plan. This will be in addition to the poultry and sugar master plan, out of which we have identified funding as one of the critical elements to support such growth and development in the agricultural sector. In the same vein, the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform, and Rural Development uses its grants to liberate private sector investment towards increasing and expanding production on land reform farms, communal lands, and privately owned farms. This will also help accelerate land redistribution by supporting the acquisition of agricultural land and assets along the value chain.
0: Minister Didiza notes that while there have been many raised brows and frowns with the model, she firmly believes that this is the right way to go.
4: In consultation with a wide range of stakeholders in the agricultural sector and the private financial industry, including discussions at Operation Pakisa Lab on agriculture in 2017, a blended finance model was muted as an instrument that can address the lack of affordable and patient capital in agriculture. The government undertook a pilot project with the Land and Agricultural Bank in 2018, and we learned some lessons there on what we need to improve and also what we need to do in order to make sure that funding instruments work efficiently for our producers and agribusiness industries. It is important to note that planet finance as a concept is well-vexed in the market and the government system.
0: While the economy is still suffering as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, Minister Ibrahim Patel notes that agriculture continues to show resilience during a time of global adversity.
5: The agriculture sector is an important part of the economy, that goes without saying. In last uh, uh, calendar year Uh, During the COVID period, the sector has shown resilience and opportunity with a 13% real growth year on year. And that helped to cushion the impact of COVID-19 on other sectors of the economy. We have vast agricultural land, more than any other country on the African continent. And in fact, the World Bank ranks South Africa's 12th in the world in terms of agricultural land. Our challenge is to ensure we can develop that land, bring water there, ensure that there's the skills and support that's required. And that's what the fund talks about. We have diverse climates across the country that allows us to grow different crops and livestock, from apples in the Western Cape to avocados in Pumalanga, sugar in KZN, pineapples in the Eastern Cape, wheat in the free state, sweet grapes in Northern Cape, soya beans in Gauteng, sunflower seeds in Northwest, and mangoes in Limpopo. We're deepening the opportunity which comes from this capabilities that the land has to create new and bustling value chains of agro-processed goods downstream.
0: Ibrahim Patel, the Minister of Trade and Industry and Competition. Stay tuned to foodformzanzi.co.za for updates on the rollout of the Agri-Industrial Fund.
6: Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's Grain-Filled Chickens, proudly South African and mouthwateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for Or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land.
1: On to our book of the week as chosen by our farmers, we look at a book titled In a World Without Email by Cal Newport. Here to review this book is Caroline Sampson, Grobanks Executive for Strategy, Environment, Social and Governance Affairs.
7: I've appreciated Cal Newport's work on the intersection between technology and social transformation since I first encountered his 2016 book, Deep Work. In his latest book, A World Without Email, He sets out to pull together everything we know about how we ended up in a culture of constant communication and the effect of rapid task switching on both our productivity and our mental health. I'm old enough to remember my stepfather, who was a researcher, coming home and telling us excitedly about an email reply he had received from an overseas associate that same day. He would receive 10 or so emails a week. Now we receive approximately 126 emails every day, plus other messages, which require instant responses. Carl's premise is that this is unsustainable over the long term, and that knowledge work requires better processes to ensure that we can apply our minds to our work. In the second part, he sets out a number of options suitable for companies wishing to make systemic changes, as well as individuals aiming to improve their situation. As usual with Carl, I would be much more productive if I consistently implemented his recommendations.
0: Thanks Carolyn Sampson from GrowBank. Remember you can email info at if you want to suggest the next book of the week. Next up, our app of the week. With the Livestock Wealth app, farmers have real-time access to their investment and they can stay up to date with what's happening on their farm. The Livestock Wealth app brings the farm closer to investors conveniently delivering information to your tablet and smartphone. This agribusiness facilitates the connection between farmers who need working capital and investors who want to invest in growing assets but don't have the means to do so themselves. Now this exciting app allows the investor to view and manage the investment and keep up to date with what's happening on the farm and the latest on your cows. Cool, right? Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean scroll through Twitter for a minute
8: and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.
0: You're tuned into Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Powered by Corteva Agri Science, we now introduce you to an extraordinary woman farmer participating in a year long blended development program at the Gibbs Business School. We meet Musa Gamede. This soil sister has built a thriving farming enterprise in the Johannesburg suburb of Benoni. And she's learned many lessons along the way.
8: My name is Mosa Miriam Kamede. I'm a 32-year-old woman, originally from Harasmit. It's a small town in Free State. I've started agribusiness in 2012 by having a garden in my backyard. In my backyard, I made a greenhouse that was 35 square meters by size. That's where I used to plant tomatoes in that to resell. started to resell the tomatoes. I could see that I could make sufficient money to survive. I was the only person that was working in the greenhouse. Even in winter I could survive with my tomatoes. In 2012 it was still a greenhouse and then 2014 I was awarded by the Department of Agriculture as a best homestead producer in 2014. Seeing that I was awarded as a best homestead producer I decided to grow with the business. That's where a ngadeni farm was born. It was born in twenty fourteen. Ngardeni farm operates in the plot that it's rented. That's where we are in vegetable production. We do not only plant tomatoes, we plant a variety of vegetables. Currently in our land we have green peppers, red peppers and chilies. Then we have mustard spinach because we're just preparing for winter mustard spinach and spinach and my favorite vegetable rangers and eggplant we hire five people i'm also working there with them which is three ladies it's me and the other two ladies and two males we at garden farms started this project in order to create a job for myself and others this opportunity and making sure that this project works for me it's very personal to me as a self taught farmer because everything that i do in farming it's self taught although i do get advices from other farmers it teaches me a lot go visit other farmers teaches me a lot about farming also reading because when you don't read in farming you will not know what's new and what new opportunities are there for you to grow and make this business to survive creating this opportunity for me and others it means a lot to me because i've never worked a day in my life i've never even had an interview so the only thing i know is to do agriculture so i'm trying my best to manage the place that we are in making sure that the workers are getting paid at the end of the month making sure that the project goes planning. Making sure that the bookkeeping is also in order, although I don't have a proper system that I could say I'm satisfied with the system that I'm using because it has everything in order. Most of the time, some of my produces I sell them to street vendors, people who do catering, people who cooks in their ranks, and then the rest I take to job market selling my produce like that it's a challenge for me sometimes it's a challenge for me especially when i'm selling for people who are street vendors people who cooks in their ranks people who do that because i'm dealing with cash at some point i can't leave my customers it's a township based opportunity as much as there are people out there who are willing to support my business I think it's best for me also to not forget to support township economy by selling to them and then they resell to the community it means a lot I sell in townships like Tembisa, Alexandra not saying that I'm making that much, but I'm making enough by selling in the townships than taking my produce to the market. Because I feel when I'm taking my produce to the market, I lose. So Garden Farm is born that way. We operate in a one hectare and we do it in an open land. Before I was doing in the greenhouse, when I was doing in the backyard, trying to make sure that we create opportunities for ourselves and making sure that we're starting something that we will finish. Even though I know most of the farmers that are successful, maybe they're second generation or third generational, But I take it as success from being a farmer that was watering with a bucket, being a farmer that was watering with a um, horse pipe and then sprinklers It makes me happy to see that finally my dream of making that place to be the way it is. Currently, I have a drip irrigation system in the whole land that we are using. So it's better for the challenge that I'm in because on the place that I'm in, there's insufficient water. I have two boreholes, but sometimes they don't even fill the tank. So now I can see Ugootie. I'm being productive because I know Ugootie. I had challenge of this. And then I came up with a plan to reduce this, to do that. I've been using drip system. It's much better now. I won't say I can manage the place better. Although there are really new things that I've introduced. Some of them when we plant, the planning, which plants we plant when. The year plan, what are we going to do with the challenge food I have with the place that I'm in. The place it's very cold. So in winter, I will only have two crops, mustard, spinach and spinach. And then do crop rotation in the
1: next season. Thanks Musa Gamere. I can't wait to hear who's next on Women Entrepreneurs, powered by Agri AgriScience. Remember to stay tuned for our Farmers Tip of the Week from livestock and crop farmer Sabata Sechoba. But first, on a lighter note, soup season is here. American chef and historian Adrian Miller shares a guide to cooking soul food.
9: Fried fish is part of the tradition and... Uh, West Africans were uh, seafood lovers because they lived on the coast. And um, that love for seafood comes to the Americas. And so catfish was the most popular for a long time. But because the catfish industry is having so many problems, catfish is really expensive now. So you're seeing people use whiting, tilapia, and other kinds of fish that are cheaper. But usually that's seasoned with some cornmeal and then fried in in grease until it's nice and crispy. Variety meat. So variety meats is what we call the funky cuts of meat, like oxtails, ham hocks, pig's feet, turkey tips. So these things are the hallmark of soul food. So in this instance, pork neck bones with rice and gravy. And then chitlins. So chitlins is short for chitterlings, which are pig intestines, not for everybody. Chitlins are usually stewed or fried. Greens, so greens are very central to the West African diet and that love of greens comes to the Americas. And so in soul food, the popular greens are collard, kale, mustard, and turnip, and cabbage. These are stewed over a long period of time, and usually there's some meat in the pot to season them, but there's other ways to make greens as well. Black-eyed peas, black-eyed peas are actually a bean, but they're native to West Africa, and uh, they're popular here. When we make black-eyed peas, we usually have like a ham hock, some thyme, a bay leaf, red pepper, garlic, onion, similar treatment for greens. A lot of soul food vegetables are prepared the same way. Yams, so what we call yams in the United States are not true tropical yams, they're actually dark fleshed sweet potatoes and the way we usually make them here is our sweet potatoes are yams and then we cut them up and then we can either boil them or bake them and then when they're done we braise them additionally in a gravy quote unquote of melted butter, sugar, cinnamon, spices, all that kind of stuff, it's a wonderful dish. So we do have wheat breads in um, soul food tradition, but cornbread is very popular. You've got various kinds of cornbreads uh, that are very popular in soul food. So uh, there's a cornbread that's called spoon bread. There's also something called hush puppies, which are fried balls of cornmeal, which are basically served with a lot of seafood dishes. That's very popular as well.
0: Thanks, Chef Adrian Miller. Be sure to check out his interview and recipe on foodformzanzi.co.za.
6: Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh. It's super soft. And it makes a meal a treat. It's Super Sure Bread and Super Sure Flour. A proud member of the VKB group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Super Sure makes the whole family smile. Find Supershaw on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. We've just about
1: reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, co-founder of Amara Nima AgriTech and farmer Sabate Sekhoba advises startup livestock farmers to consider grazing their animals in felts and pastures instead of using feedlot systems let's find out why
10: my tip to farmers is mainly focused to small scale farmers who are doing livestock husbandry in making sure that they continue with grazing on felt and planted pastures and still able to run a successful operation and grow in the industry I have noticed that most scale farmers have taken an interest to move from natural grazing to feedlotting system, but without doing proper research about this beautiful system. On extensive farming, the feedlot system is a great way to expand and grow your farming business, but it is something I will not advise small scale farmers like me, to do while still growing in the business because of the costs involved when it comes to feedlot. From starting to maintaining the feedlot, my view of feedlot, which I am open to be criticized and corrected on, are based on the backbone of successful feedlot in farming, especially when it comes to the purchasing of feeder cattle, the feed cost, the vet services, marketing of the product, and making sure the returns will create profit and sustain the business. As much as feedlot system gives advantage to control your cattle and reach the intended cattle weight, grazing on felled and planted pastures, according to me, is a great way to start and grow as a small-scale farmer, and it is cost-effective. The benefit of this system, especially for a farmer who has plans of growing their business, are the reduction of labor requirements and still be able to reach an intended weight, though that one will be after a certain period of time than when the cattle are in the feedlot system.
0: And Sabata Sekhoba's Farmer Top of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food for Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
1: Remember if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And not forgetting also on foodformzanzi.co.za.
0: From me, Donumdu Duncan Masiwa, contributors Donna Van Eden, Nolutandu Nakani, Carolyn Sampson, and the rest of the Food Form Zanzi team. Have a great week and please, let's continue to keep each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic.
6: What joins a continent, but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future, but the promise to fulfill, to protect? Grow the very life of tomorrow. This is why we do what we do under the African blue. Corteva, keep growing.
8: You've
5: been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Ansi. For more information, find us on
6: www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.